welcome to Happiness Unleashed with your host, Brittany Derenbacher, presented by Live Happy. Many of us wish we could talk to our animals, but today's guest says we can. And even better, she's going to tell us how. Joan Ranquette is an accomplished animal communicator, TEDx speaker, educator, and animal guardian. And today, she explains how we all have the ability to talk to animals if we'll just take the time to tune in to what they're saying. She and Brittany also talk about using the emotional freedom technique, or tapping, to help pets release anxiety and find a more harmonious place in the world. Let's have a listen. Hi, Joan. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. So you're one of those people I want to sit down with and just say, tell me everything about you. (laughs) If I could choose like any superpower in the world, it would be your gifts. Your main title is animal communicator. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What other hats do you wear? Well, I'm a school. I'm the founder of Communication with All Life University, and we have programs for people to learn animal communication, energy healing, and to get certified in each or both of those subjects. And then I take people on wildlife trips and I'm an author. When do you feel like you stepped into your gifts as an animal communicator? Do you feel like it was always present? You know, I want to back up because I think everybody's an animal communicator, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like my gift is that I chose to stick with it and that I'm tenacious, but I think it's a skill. So it was there all along, but I didn't necessarily know it, right? Like you hear some people that say, oh, I was always talking to animals. And then I turned it off in high school because it wasn't cool. I'm the opposite. There was always a connection, but I wouldn't have termed it or, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't the awareness around it that I'm talking to animals. It's just I was very connected. I was that kid, you know, that the neighbors trusted to give the horse a shot or, yeah, I was always out riding my horse in the woods by myself, things like that. Yeah. So you tuned in, you dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like there's an element of fear there, right? Do you think that's what kind of keeps people from really tapping into that and tuning in in the way that you're describing? A fear of being weird or a fear of, yeah, I think (laughs) Thankfully, I've just let my freak flag fly, but um, sure, I think so. When I really tuned into it and studied it and, and really took it seriously in the early 90s, you know, I was learning a lot of stuff in the late 80s and in the early 90s. I went just all in because it just thrilled me like nothing else did, you know, so I personally didn't back away from it. Well, I backed away from energy healing at different times because I struggled with the idea of having, feeling like somebody's life was in my hands. So I had to really kind of deal with that. I watched my students struggle with, you know, leaving their corporate job and not quite embracing this. But I'm really lucky that I had kind of followed this path all along. I mean, once it was laid out for me, I didn't necessarily step into it right away, but I almost had no choice. I feel like it was the way was paved and chosen Mm -hmm. for me. And then I just finally stepped into it. Yeah. Predetermined. Yeah. You say that animals are first responders to our energy and that really stuck with me. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I would love to. I think that, you know, a lot of people will say that animals are mirroring us or reflecting us. And while some of that goes on, 
you know, I'll never forget this friend of mine was like, my cat is pooping in the garage and I'm just, I can't find the mirror. I said, yeah, so far I've never heard you say that you're going to go poop in the garage. So (laughs) I I love to say that they're not always mirroring us. They're not always reflecting us while they may. What they are is aware of our energy. And so they respond to our energy. You know, if we're super calm, they're going to be calm. If we are hyped up now, if you've created a resonance of calmness and you're hyped up in that moment, you can be in that state without it shifting the whole household. But if you're, you know, staying in that state, if stress is like a full-time job for somebody, then the response might be some naughty behavior, some anxiety, some kind of ways of getting away from it. I'm curious do different animals communicate in different ways? This is the biggest question I wanted to ask you. Like, does a horse communicate differently than a chicken or my bulldog would? No, but their reality may be different, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, a horse and a bulldog may be more aware of a schedule or of human activities than a chicken that you only interact with every day. But more and more people have amazing relationships with chickens and the chickens are in their house and, you know, they know that it's Thursday and you're going to Mm -hmm. take an energy class or whatever it is, right? Like they can adapt to that. But if I were to communicate with a dolphin out in the water, I always say that if I go into a barn and I talk to a horse that's going, you know, that maybe it's a show horse Mm -hmm. and I say, you know, just get a sense of what's going on for this horse. And the horse may tell me, I have four horse shows this summer and we're leaving on Thursday. And it knows everything because the person is very clear. The trainer is clear. They've got this clear path before them. And so the horse can share that information. I'm sure your dog would have a lot of information to share in that way. But if I slipped into the sea and started swimming with dolphins and asked them what they were going to do on Thursday, they'd probably say, what's Thursday? So it's a different reality. Right. Is it more of a sensory experience when they communicate to you? Like, it's not like you're hearing a voice. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, is it images? Is it like in your mind's eye? Can you explain it's that to the all listeners? Of the above. Yeah. So animal communication is telepathy, which is the mm-hmm. transfer of pictures, words, and feelings. And so sometimes it might come in the form of like a concept or a feeling or a little movie. Like when I start to communicate with animals, let's say someone calls me and says, my dog is leash aggressive. So what I like to do is get a sense from the dog that moment before it goes on the end of the leash and is in the mode, right? So what are all the feelings that happen there right so i'll get a little movie from the animal and then be able to relay that to the person and then they're able to say wow i didn't set this dog up well for safety and so now i'm going to make different choices when i see this thing that sort of starts way before it starts you know what i mean mm-hmm. and so i can use this in a way to get information to help relationships, behavior, 
but it does all come down to pictures, words, and feelings. So, and sometimes it does almost sound like a voice. I mean, I'll never forget this orphan cult. And this is before I was really, I was on the fence about this. I still loved my life in Hollywood. I was an actress and a writer and, you know, I loved my life. It had been my life forever. So I slipped onto my horse's back, bareback, and I'd never ridden him before. And he was like three and a half. And I heard as clear as you and I are communicating with each other this minute, I heard I've been waiting for this. And so, yeah, it just took my breath away. So every now and then it does feel like it is another voice, but for the most part, it's like words or feelings or pictures. It sounds so comforting, like the idea and the notion that if we are open to it and we could lean in and tap in and dial in, that we could have these moments of like profound intimacy and connection with the animals that surround us. Absolutely. And it also helps with things like I went, I have a 36 year old Arabian and that's old as heck in animal years and horse years. And about two years ago, I walked down to feed breakfast, you know, and they hadn't had coffee. I'm like, you know, just in my blurry state. And I heard, help me. And I looked at her and she looked perfectly fine. But I went ahead and, you know, acknowledged that I'd heard that. So I walked around and felt her body. And I wouldn't have seen it if she hadn't said this. I wouldn't have seen it for days. But she must have like been scratching her butt. And so Mm -hmm. if this is her butt, there was like a little flap and it was pretty deep where Mm -hmm. she had sliced it. And so I was able to get stitches and, you know, get the vet out right away. And it could have gotten infected if I hadn't seen it because the flap of the skin laid perfectly back down. So if she hadn't said, help me, I wouldn't have looked for that. Wow. What is one of the biggest revelations that you found in doing this work? For me, the biggest revelation is that they are individuals and they deserve agency of their own soul, their own soul contracts, their own soul wounding, soul healing, purpose, mission, vision. They're their own beings. And and that's why, to me, it's very egocentric to say, oh, they're a reflection or a mirror of us. It's important to value who they are and be able to support them living their best lives. And, you know, it isn't always exactly what we want, but it is, you know, it's not up to us. We're here to support them getting to be their best selves. And you bring up this term soul contract, and this is actually something that I wanted to talk to you about because your TED Talk really has informed the way in which I show up for my clients for pet loss. Mm. It's such a beautiful conversation. And you mentioned soul contracts in this talk. Can you explain to the listeners what that means? We know in human terms, a, a soul contract would be like this whole thing of, I personally really wanted to stay in the Hollywood world. Mm-hmm. but my soul was meant to do this work and it took some convincing 
to get direction, you know? And then it was like, oh yeah, I'm all in. Of course I'm all in. I don't know why I was so asleep before. And so for an animal, it's the same sort of thing where, you know, for example, I just looked up, a, I have a pictures of animals I've seen out in the wild for my wildlife trips. And last year, my eye caught this rhino who lives at a place called Old Pajetta, where the last two northern black rhinos live. But there's also this blind rhino that is, you know, it's like, if you look at like, why would he be blind and kept there? But then if you think about his contract is so that, I mean, we all, I got to do a bladder sweep on him, which is a move in, in acupressure. I mean, I got to feed him. I got to be with him. A rhino would be very scary in the wild, but here's this soulful guy that, you know, people get to meet and touch and get to know a rhino. And so in many ways, his contract this lifetime is all about service and he gets a lot from it too. He's so adored, you know, he's not just giving, he's receiving. He is loved in a huge way. Do you think that animals are our real gurus in life? I think they are, but I'm hesitant to put anybody on a pedestal because when you put somebody <laughs> on a pedestal, they fall <laughs> off, right? So I think that that like in many ways, most of the animals in my house are the gurus, but there are also entertainers here. You know, they're full spectrum, if you will. They've got lots of other duties or ways and the teaching doesn't have to come in some ohm setting, right? It can come in like, oh my God, I just learned something so profound about behavior because how you're responding to me. So yeah, yeah I think that, I mean, of course all of them are, but there are also 50 million other things. Right. I just believe that animals, when, again, when we're open to it, right, have this deep source of wisdom that we can learn from that bring such a beautiful element to our lives. Well, and I would say yes to that. And I would invite the idea that you prefaced it with when you are open to it, when you are open to it, you're also in tune with your own wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. So it puts us in a position to have more engagement from our own source, our own you know, so it's when we're open to it, anything is possible. It's the animals. It could be the trees. It could be the hills. It could be your own heart that's locked away a ton of stuff. Right. Going back to your TED Talk for a second, you know, in the lessons that we learn from animals, you say that animals offer us an opportunity to understand family in a way we wish we could understand our own families. That also has always stuck with me. Can you go into detail about that? Yeah. I mean, when I wake up, I have a few cats on me and a few dogs. And, you know, I have to make my way down to feed horses, but it's always so delicious there with the animals. And it's almost like, you know, maybe one of my cats, Queen Latifah, doesn't always get along with Buster Keaton. But when we're there in bed in the morning, we're all blissed out and we we're all in such peace. Mm -hmm. And so that if later on in the day, Buster Keaton took Queen Latifah's place, you know, she might be crabby, 
but it's going to get dropped when we all go to bed. And they don't hang on to things in the same way that, you know, my sister does. And they don't need to have a giant, you know, how one person can remember something one way and another person can remember something a completely different way. Like almost as if you've been raised in two different households, yet it was the same, you know, same parents. Our animals don't, I mean, they don't hang on to that. Yeah, my one dog has a totally different experience because she's way more confident about getting in the car. So she gets to go hiking and the other dog doesn't. But, you know, they're they're not resenting that. They're Mm -hmm. not, you know, so all of those, I guess all the nuanced emotions that don't have is aren't there like regret or jealousy or, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the things it's they have the opportunity to really show us how to be in harmony. Yeah. Like Queen Latifah is not going to, you know, bring it up passive aggressively at coffee the next morning. <laughs> no, not at all. You took my spot, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. It's this gift of uncomplicated love. It is the gift of uncomplicated love. And that's almost such a better way of saying it than thank you, than unconditional because they are conditional. I mean, they are unconditional on the one hand, but you know, I watch animals in the wild and leopards don't hang on to their children. You know, it's very conditional later on if one is in the other's territory. So I think that I love the uncomplicated. That's a better way of, I think, uh, just, yeah, a great way of saying it. And it's like, you know, when you think about it, that is one of the biggest tools to help and support people while they're grieving the loss of their pet is to understand the nuance in that and why it is so painful. And it's so much deeper than the way society, you know, often portrays that we should handle pet loss. Yeah. I mean, I'm speaking to the choir right now, so don't get me started on that, right? (laughs) Just a dog or it's just a bird. You can get another gecko, you know, but it's like, well, no, that this was this one, and this is the one I'm going to miss. And I feel like I teach a class on animals in transition, death, dying, and beyond. And, you know, for me, what happens with people, I mean, even like I loved my mom so much, and it's still just one of the most giant losses. But we had periods where we weren't speaking, or it didn't go well, or I was a terrible teenager. And she not only didn't like me, but the whole neighborhood didn't like me. You know what I mean? Like, it was not easy for, you know, some years. And then we became great friends. And I mean, we were, and then we weren't, and then we were again. But you don't have that with a dog, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could say, wow, that one was really hard to potty train, but that doesn't, you know, you're not calling your friends and freaking out and getting a therapist and, even going to jail over potty training, right? Like this, but you could over something with a parent or a kid. It, you know, it just isn't, there's the stages and you wish some of them would stay forever. And then there's the loss that brings up all the other very, very innocent, uncomplicated losses. What does it mean to you being in service in this way to animals and their humans? First of all, if you put it that way, I feel like I'm the luckiest person alive, right? Mm -hmm. Because I get to do this work 
And then I get to teach others so that it's just going to get replicated exponentially out there. And the work of really hearing them gets carried through. I mean, I, I always joke that at some point we're going to look back and say, wow, can you believe people didn't think they could talk to animals? Pot was illegal and there wasn't gay marriage, right? Like we're going to look back at a time when we're going to look back and say, this is crazy. We didn't think we could talk to animals. This is crazy. You know, mm -hmm. we didn't listen to animals. Mm -hmm. We're all not there yet, but we're going to get there. I think so too. And that's what we're hoping, you know, in having these conversations on the podcast is inviting people to have a broader understanding of our relationships with animals and not just what they can do for us, but what we can do for them and the magic that is involved in our relationships with animals. It's totally magical. I mean, it, it's magical. So on the wildlife trips, again, I take people on. There's a place called the Sheldrick Trust where they have these orphan elephants. And that's in Nairobi. And we all we adopted as a group. I had 14 people with me. We each adopted a different elephant. And some of them were there at the orphanage. And then there was a place we went to down south in Kenya called Ithumba Camp in East Savo. And that's where the teenage orphans are that get to hopefully migrate and become part of the wild herds. And so I hadn't looked at my email. I hadn't paid any attention to it, but because I was a group leader, right? Mm -hmm. But then the company that organized all this sent me an email too saying, you have adopted Ambo, right? So I was like, oh, I'm going to meet Ambo. So I sat and I sent Ambo messages. I was like, Ambo, 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 I'm coming to meet you. I'm coming to meet you in the Jeep on, work, on our way there, right? Well, he was the first one in. Wow. And he was the last one to leave. And we were there for three days. So we had morning, lunch, and evening interactions with him. I mean, everybody got to stand with him for pictures. And he's big. Mm -hmm. He would let me scratch his butt. I mean, he was like... He every day I just announced from the Jeep, Ambo, we're coming, we're coming. And he was so available to us. And the keeper said he's not usually like that. And I mean, that's magic. Like I have my own elephant friends now, you know, and mm -hmm. you feel like a kid again. And that's where, you know, it's magical. Is there anything better than that? No. And not just magic, like majestic magic. Yeah. Yeah. Big magic. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a, you know, technique that you use and I sometimes use it with my human clients and that is called emotional freedom technique. And this is something that you use with animals. Can you explain to the listeners what EFT is and, you know, explain to the listeners about how you created a whole book and guide on how humans can do this with their animals? Okay, so EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, tapping is lightly tapping, you know, like with two fingers on acupressure points. And each of those acupressure points are specifically chosen because they are calming. Acupressure or acupuncture can tonify, cleanse, intensify, calm. So these specific points are calming points. And each of the points are connected to meridians, which are connected to organ systems. 
And it is believed that each organ in Chinese medicine is connected to an emotion. So these emotions, these points are all calming points connected to things like the stomach. Think about how much the stomach is involved with anxiety. The heart, you know, each of them are really like chilling things. So what happens is if we have a story in us or that has a trapped emotion with it, so let's say, you know, it can trigger us. So let's say I'm still really sad about my cat dying. So anytime I hear about somebody else with a cat with allergies, it brings up a fear in me that they're going to end up with a tumor, right? So if I tap on myself, and this is really good for people that get a diagnosis with an animal, if they had an animal that had a similar situation, mm-hmm. you know, it's good for a million things, but just in human terms, let's say it will start to help, it will relieve I won't forget that my cat died with this tumor that started with allergies, but I'm not going to be triggered by it. I'm not going to think everybody's got to look out if they've got allergies. I'm not going to be all, you know, I'm bringing the emotional aspect down and I'm able to calmly tell you that my cat died last March with uh, from a tumor that seemed to start with allergies. So with animals, it's a very similar situation, right? Like, let's say a dog that is uh, afraid to go through the hallway because something had crashed in on him at some point. So you could tap on, you know, my fear, which become the dog, so to speak. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to go in the hallway. I'm afraid to go in the hallway. I'm afraid to go in the hallway. But, you know, and eventually you get to like, but, you know, my person's leading me through, I'm safe, I'm safe, I'm safe. We keep it, again, uncomplicated story, mm-hmm. right? And stick strictly to the emotions. And suddenly the animal is like, Oof, okay, I can walk through the hallway. Mm-hmm. It's very profound with animals because they don't doubt whether it works or not. And it might take a few times if it's an extreme situation that's been pretty embedded through years of behaving that way but it also can sometimes go away overnight and a lot of times the person might have feelings about the situation as well so the person who has a dog that won't walk down the hallway might be frustrated might be like oh my god get over it you know or might be like i'm so sad i can't get the dog through the hallway i'm supposed to be this great dog person right like we have all our feelings too so I've been teaching this for 10 years, maybe a little longer. Anyway, I've been teaching it for a long time. And it's part of the school that I have for animal communicators and energy healers. And what I did with the book is I, you know, helped people look at like breaking down the behavior or breaking down, you know, the feelings and then getting kind of a way to simply tell the story and not hang on to the story through a series of kind of investigative questions that then become your script or the words that you use to tap with on yourself and on the animal. Yeah. And Joan's book is titled Emotional Freedom Techniques for Animals and Their Humans, Creating a Harmonious Relationship Through Tapping. And I've seen it work with humans. And I love the idea of doing this with my own animals. And this book gave me permission and literally 
taught me how to do it. And I encourage all the listeners to get a copy of this and try it out with their animals. I also think it's something beautiful that, you know, you can do together, you and your pet. And it's so and your animal. Yeah. And I have all the charts of the specific points. And so there's charts in there for you and charts in there of the animals where the points are. That's just it. Like I've tapped so much on my animals and you know, they're used to it because I'm that person that wrote a book about it and teach it all the time and I'm going to speak about it and what have you. But it is so calming for both you and the animal because some things feel so out of control for both you and the animal. And here's this one thing we can do that we just quiet down, we power down, we're getting quiet together and we're helping each other. Your work is such a gift. Thank you. Well, I would say yours is too. I'm so glad that you came on the podcast. And before we say goodbye, I always ask our guests to share a story. I like to share stories of animals doing magic and healing those around them in often unassuming ways. Is there a special animal in your life over the years that comes to mind? Well, just because I brought it up, the cat that I lost in March, mm-hmm. she was so mysterious and she gave birth to kittens on my farm, my old farm, and she was in the background. And then suddenly she stepped into the foreground. And so she's very missed around here right now. But one of the things that she did, and, and I believe she still does in her afterlife when she's not busy doing something else is she like people would bring foster animals that were so traumatized for me to tap on them and they might have come from a long ways away and so they slept in the guest room and one in particular was a dog that had been lost had gotten hit by a car her leg had to be amputated she was so shut down Mm -hmm. and the rescue you know sent the dog to me from san diego so she spent the night the woman spent the night with the dog in the guest room And every night, my cat would sleep just plastered against the little box that the dog was in and purred into the crate for the dog. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, she just did stuff like that to everyone, to everyone. And so that's really missed around here on the one hand, but, you know, gives everybody else an opportunity to be who they are also because that became so big. and so center but i don't doubt for a minute that that healing energy is still here from her absolutely what's her name francesca francesca Hmm. thank you for sharing that story and thank you joan for bringing your beautiful grounding energy onto the show it's been so wonderful getting to know you thank you thank you for having me that was Brittany talking with author teacher Animal communicator, Joan Ranquet. Brittany, what an incredible conversation you had. I know that's one that you were really looking forward to. And I think you you all hit on some really meaningful points during that. I feel so honored to have shared space with Joan and been able to ask her questions. I have so many more that I want to ask her. She's just such a wealth of knowledge and she's so confident and 
just so easygoing and so tuned in to animals. And I think it's just important for people to hear that and understand that on the really heart-centered level that she spoke on. Yeah, I think that animal communication is becoming less woo-woo and people are starting to understand that, yes, our pets... like she said, they may not understand what Thursday is, but they, you know, they know, they know words, they know emotions, they know certain cues that we give them. And that changes how they walk in the world. You know, we, one of our dogs, Rocco is, as you know, he's very active. He loves staying active. And even though we have an acre that's fenced in that he can run around in, that's not enough. And so we'll take him. We've got a very large garden that's also mm-hmm. fenced in. And if I say, do you want to go to the garden? He goes berserk and, you know, he runs, he goes and sits by the back door because he knows he has to put his leash on before we can go to the garden. And it's just, it brings me joy just to watch him respond that way. And I think that's just on a very small scale, an indication of how tuned in they are to what we're saying to them. Right. And, you know, the word weird came up pretty early on and, (laughs) you know, I'm all about the weird, wild and woo. And I think... You know, that is something that is shifting. It's shifting in such a profound way, I think, in the way that we understand and have more of a openness, right, to having a connection with things outside of our subconscious minds, right? Right, right. And what I was really interested in, I'm so glad you brought this up with her, is the idea of tapping. Because Mm -hmm. just like a month or so ago, we did a show on tapping for people. And Honestly, I had not really thought about it. I know that you had used it, but I had, I really hadn't gone there for pets. And I thought that was super interesting, especially since, you know, so many of our pets do have, cause they come, rescue animals come with baggage and anxieties and traumas that we can't fix in other ways. And I thought that was so interesting that this is a, a tool that we can also use on our pets. Yeah. And, you know, just the scientific stuff behind it too, that I find really interesting is that it, is different from EMDR. You know, EMDR has to be in a clinical setting and this is something that anyone can do in their own home and now with their pets. And it is kind of an empowerment tool because it's like sealing in these affirmations, right? And mantras. And I love how she was talking about the you are safe. You know, mm-hmm. picking that affirmation mantra for your pet and really working on you are safe. That's so important because especially rescue animals don't feel safe oftentimes. Mm-hmm. So I think that's great. That's great. What was the biggest thing you took away? I know there were, man, there's like a bunch of takeaways on this one. What was the biggest thing you walked away with? I think the biggest thing that I walked away with is our conversation on unconditional love and, you know, talking about how that is kind of different from uncomplicated love. Well, great job. That was a really insightful, enjoyable interview. And thanks for sitting down with her and and having that talk. Yeah, absolutely. That was Brittany Derenbacher talking with Joan Ranquette. If you'd like to learn more about Joan, check out some of the work she's done. Check out her book. Follow her on social media. Just visit our website at livehappy.com and click on the podcast tab. And while you're there, be sure to check out some of the work Brittany's done. There's also some links for the work she's doing. And uh, we're happy to have you follow her on social media. So that is all we have time for this time around. And we will meet you back here next month for a brand new episode of Happiness Unleashed. 
Until then, for everyone at Live Happy and Happiness Unleashed, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.